Thought Bubble Audio. Look, up in the sky! You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Welcome to Beer with Geeks with Tim and Frank. Who are you? I'm Batman. I am Iron Man. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hi, Christopher. I'm Nero. My name is Inigo Montoya. You're a wizard, Harry. A couple of guys with a couple of beers and a whole lot of pop culture nostalgia. Make it so, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Name the dog in the ant. Life finds a way. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Now sit back and crack open a cold one. Because it's time for Beer with Geeks. It comes in paints? Shaken, not stirred. Great Scott! I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. Hi, and welcome to Beer with Geeks, where two geeks geek out with beer. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my tried-and-true director, but I hope he doesn't screw up this episode, friend Frank. How are you today? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I think the real good episode of Supergirl TV... Ah, shoot, I did mess up. You messed up. Just like you predicted I would. You messed up. It's funny that you went to Supergirl TV Talk because before I started, I legitimately always went, welcome to Supergirl TV Talk <laughs> instead of welcome to Beer with Geeks. And, and I don't even do that intro. I know. That's not me, baby. That's not my bag. That's not your but, bag, baby. But <laughs> yeah, yeah Supergirl Super TV Talk does come back uh, pretty soon. Uh, yes, it does. Just a couple days from now yes. as, as you're listening to this. Yes, it does. How yes, are you, does. my friend Timothy? I'm doing very well. Are you Franklin Francis? How are you? I am. I am doing quite well myself. I'm. I'm. The, I'm happy to say that I'm. I'm doing quite well. Uh, and I have a beer in front of me. Do you? I also have a beer in front of me. Pray tell, what beer is it? Oh my goodness! Well, I am drinking a beer from Jack's Abbey Craft Loggers. It is a Haponius Union. I love the Haponius Union. It is. It is a delicious. Tropical citrus aroma, as they say on the can. Yes, indeed. Um, this was the last one in my fridge. Actually, quite sad. Um, they lasted for a little while. You didn't want because they're kind of heavy, so you don't want to have right. one too much. Yeah, you don't want to have one too much. But uh, but tonight was the night. How about you? What are you drinking, my friend? I am drinking a new one. I am drinking a Simpler Times Lager from the Simpler Times Brewing Company from Monroe, Wisconsin. Ooh, that's exciting. Yes. And it's uh, it's good. It's a straightforward lager. You know, it's it's pretty oh. much straightforward. This is still part. I I, I did a build your own six pack thing uh, a week or so ago at the grocery store, and uh, yeah, it's good. It's solid. That's cool. Now this is completely unrelated, but actually, you said Wisconsin, which reminds me of the word whiskey. Oh, and okay. To which I have to say to you, question mark. Did you know that Sam Adams is brewing whiskey now? What? Or distilling, distilling whiskey, whiskey, I should say. Yeah, not brewing whiskey. <laughs> I know what I'm that talking would be about. That a feat. That would be. Yeah, so I went out to dinner last night and there were three there were three Sam Adams options for whiskey. Really? And I had the Merrymaker, okay. which was excellent. It was it was really good. It had some, it was like some cinnamon and cloves and some ginger in there. It was like it was really good. And I'm not a huge whiskey guy like i like it but i don't want it all the time like it has to be either a special occasion uh-huh. or i have to really be in the mood or i have to have become a billionaire all of a sudden sure Something like any that. of those things you know those things that happen to people all the time all the time yeah. they happen 
but it was excellent. Like, I want to go out and get a bottle for myself, and I'm not sure if it's a restaurant-only thing that Sam's doing or if it's a buy-your-own. I, ha- I, had- I did not look into it, but... Clearly, your surprise means that you had no idea, so I can't ask you if you knew this. I was not familiar with this. Um, it's definitely the kind of, I, I do like whiskey. I enjoy whiskeys and scotches and bourbons and kind of you know, everything in the whiskey family. So um, uh, that's definitely of interest to me, but I was not familiar with that. Um, so I'm going to have to check that out myself because, yeah, that's 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 news to me. Um, what did you say the, the one that you, you liked was called? The Merrymaker. Merrymaker, okay. The Merrymaker. Merry Merrymaker. Yeah, it, hmm. yeah it, it was excellent. Everybody, the um, the three of us ordered at the table, and we all liked it a lot. So oh, it look at this. Okay, so this is from mm-hmm. Boston Harbor Distillery, which I actually have been to their place, to their distillery. It's a nice mm-hmm. nice facility. And they're, huh, yeah, they're making it, making whiskey from Sam Adams beer. Huh. Huh. Yeah. I did not know about that. I'll put a link to that in the show notes in case anyone's interested in that. In case anyone is a whiskey drinker. But but that's not what we're here to talk about today, Timothy. No, it's not what we're no, here to talk no, about. It's not. We're here to talk about some wonderful people. Yes. Frank. Although we don't know them, so they could actually be they terrible people. They could be people. monsters, but I don't think they are. They, no. I mean, we don't know. Maybe one of them is actually possible. sometimes. Who knows? It's very possible. Who knows? I, I, I just, yeah, I had an observation. I made an observation um, recently. So I was thinking about, you know, it's really cool how all of these big franchise movies, you know, studios are trusting um, their big franchises to um, a lot of indie directors lately. And that, that's been going on for several years now. You know, you've seen a lot of a lot of directors on it kind of crossover from the indie world into the big studio system and, and, you know, be, be given their big break. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it's been going on for quite some time now, but I've been noticing recently that we've been seeing an increasing trend where bigger and bigger films are being given to even newer and, and, and less experienced directors. It, to me, I mean, there, there's only a few data points to support this right now, but there've been a couple of really big ones where someone who's only made a handful of films or less is given a really giant blockbuster and sort of, you know, given the chance to go, okay, go off and go off and see what you can, you know, how you can prove yourself. So I thought it was mm-hmm. interesting that we're seeing this start to take hold, you know, in 2017 and 2018, I think we saw a few examples, maybe three examples that come to mind. Um, and and for, for some big ones and in, in most cases, they either do really well or really poorly, and there's very little in between. And I just thought that was really interesting, and and I figured something would be fun to, to kind of talk about and, and break it down, um, and and look at a few names and and you know kind of see how they've how they've done, how they've fared with their their big outings. I I I think it's actually it's an it's an excellent observation, though while listening to you. I don't know if it, it's not unprecedented. Okay. Which I think sure, is interesting. Sure. And here is my example. Tim Burton, Batman 1989. Sure, sure. Yes. He had Pee-wee's Big Adventure under his belt. Yep. And then he was hired to do Batman based on Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Right. right. But while the project was forming, he went off and did Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. And so he was all the script was already being written under the direction of Tim Burton before he made Beetlejuice. So he only had one movie. And 
I I think in that case that's a very rare Oh occur- yeah. Like if I if we look at other superhero movies after that mm-hmm. um or before that, that's very rare. That's not a huge occurrence. But there's also maybe maybe Tim Story for the first two Fantastic Four films. Um Tim Story didn't have a lot under his belt either right when he went when he went and made those but those are some of the rarer examples yeah i think exactly yeah it's it's happened before um but it's i think it's gotten a little more we've seen a couple of instances of it in the last the last couple of years i think the examples that came to my mind kind of first and foremost is you have ryan coogler with a smash hit with with black panther right and it's only like his third Mm -hmm. film Third film, it's Fruitvale Station, then Creed, which was also a smash also hit. Also a smash hit. And then Black and then Panther. Black Panther. Uh, which is insane yeah, if you think yeah. about... And it's it's kind of... A, I mean, Creed was already a big franchise film, but not on the, the blockbuster level of, of a Marvel film. You know, it was already Agreed. a big production with a, big, with a bunch of big names behind it, obviously, and part of a very prestigious um, franchise. Mm-hmm. But Black Panther kind of brought him to a whole new level. So I thought that was very Completely interesting. Agree. And then when you look at an example like Josh Trank, who... Who tanked. Who uh, Trank tanked, right? He came in and uh, and did... Well, I guess he did... Uh, he, he, came off of, he came off of Chronicle. Chronicle. And, which was a big success with the critics and people who saw it. I wouldn't call it a smash it success. Was, yeah, but, it wasn't a, a big financial success. Uh, but it was very well received. It was very, exactly, it was very well received. Uh, so he's he's coming off of that, and you know he goes in to do Fantastic Four, which completely just completely bit him, mm-hmm. just yep. in in every way. Um, yep. So you know th- there there you have the two examples of he that was also his like I think Fantastic Four was also probably his second or third film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think it was the second. Was, was Chronicle his first film? Yep, okay. I think so. I can I can double check right sure, now. I'm sure, if you want to use look up, I was gonna I was gonna hold off on it. I figure I'm probably gonna need it more later, but it's up up to you. But it, let's say it was his second or third film, and um, yeah. So so Fantastic Four obviously did very very poorly, and then on, on the heels of that, he lost he lost Star Wars. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, because he was supposed to be do he was supposed to do the Boba Fett movie. Uh, yes, and and that got Alleged. shut down. Allegedly, the Boba Fett movie. Allegedly, um, yeah, and that, that project has allegedly been been shelved. Um, yep, Fantastic Four was his. Fantastic Four was his. Basically, his second movie. Wow. He had stabbing at Leia's twenty second birthday, which was a short in two thousand seven. Okay. Wow! A and he directed ago. five episodes. Yep, he directed five episodes of the TV series The Kill Point, mm. and then Chronicle in twenty twelve, and then Fantastic Four in twenty fifteen. Wow. Yeah, um, kind of rocky. Though so, yeah. Though so, note he has a movie. He's directing a movie right now. Okay. Which is the 47-year-old Al Capone, after 10 years in prison, starts suffering from dementia and comes to be haunted by his violent past. Starring okay. Tom Hardy as Al Capone. Oh, wow. Okay, so he's got Tom Tom Hardy, so there's... Yeah. Uh, Linda uh, Cardellini oh, as Meg, 
May Capone, Matt Dillon as Johnny, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, and that seems to, those are only the names I recognize. But even then, Matt Dillon, Linda Cardellini, and Tom Hardy, that's that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's a solid, that's a solid cast. Mm-hmm. So is that, I wonder if that's yeah, a studio that's a, film. It probably doesn't say, but I wonder if that's a studio film or not. Because that kind of cast, it kind of seem, seems like it would be. Uh, yes. I yeah. agree. So uh, those are two, I think, kind of really, those are like the two examples that came to my mind as the two opposite ends of the spectrum, where you have mm-hmm. Googler with great, great success, and then poor Trank with, with huge, huge failure. Right. Well, I I mean, Black Panther passed Titanic at the U.S. Yeah. box office not too long mm-hmm. ago. That's huge. Yeah. Huge. Still holding on to worldwide box office, Titanic is, but that's okay. That's okay. And then you have, mm-hmm. like, a Colin Trevorrow, who had Safety Not Guaranteed, was his first feature, and mm-hmm. then Jurassic World. Huge, you know, box office success there. Uh, yep. Critically received okay um dress yeah. world um dress world was received well i but not jurassic park well yeah. but um few films are that received well, that true. well i guess maybe maybe i'm remembering it wrong or maybe i'm just seeing a lot of i feel like lately i've seen a lot of people being like yeah jurassic world was fine i i enjoyed it i enjoyed it quite a bit but i i think it's i i i think it's fine it was it's fun to go back but yeah. i don't think it's it's nothing hugely it's not groundbreaking, mind-bending. Right? It's not like, no, it's yeah. not. It's a good movie, it's a good movie. but it's not groundbreaking. Right, right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But that movie is, Jurassic World's like fourth highest grossing film of all time. Right. Or yeah. something big, like that. Big box office it's, it's, Yes, stupidly huge. Because mm-hmm. there was enough pent-up demand, I think, for that, that franchise. It's 2015, you know, uh, it was <laughs> Fantastic Four hadn't done well as we just visited, and, and so it, it was. There was appetite for it, um, and and I, I think you know we hadn't seen a Jurassic Park film in quite some time, and it was really exciting to have this this franchise come back in such a big way. The marketing campaign for it was huge and was like really creating a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement. Um, they did a good job promoting it and hyping it up mm-hmm. and not overhyping definitely it. and then uh and then it was just a solid movie you know with chris pratt and bryce dallas howard and vincent nafrio like you had some really really good some really don't forget benedict uh don't forget uh no not benedict wong. wong oh bd wong. wong jake johnson from new girl was in it yeah 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 that's yeah. right i forgot about that I do not believe he is back for the sequel. I oh, it's interesting. I wonder. Uh, Katie McGrath is almost certainly not back for the sequel. Oh no, no, she's mm-hmm, dead. Mm-hmm. She's dead. Yeah. Anyway, she's Irish. Anyway, and I keep, she's dead. Yeah, and she's dead. Um, but a, I digress. That's a holdover joke from a from a whole, from other, a whole podcast. other podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so you know that movie did very very well and and was received pretty well, but he. He's still so like he's one of the ones that okay second movie, huge success, but then he still got cut from Star Wars, <laughs> from from Episode well, Nine. Allegedly, he's very difficult to That's, work with. That is the word I on think the street. That yes, the Jurassic Park World fame went to Jurassic Park World. Jurassic World fame went to went his, his head. head. 
and I, I don't know. I'm speculating there. But the, all the reports say he's difficult to work with. And Kathleen Kennedy was like, not about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. So so that's OK. Um, but seeing like Jurassic World is a service. Like, I think it's a good film. It's a serviceable film. But when you're capping off nine Star Wars saga films, I kind of want somebody that's going to deliver a movie that's more than good. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I imagine. So I had heard that he was difficult to work with, which I imagine he was difficult to work with on Jurassic World, if if the word is out that he's hard to work with, um, and maybe that just made it worse. <laughs> maybe he became completely insufferable after that. But um, I, I got to think that what whatever work he did churn out in his in, in working on Episode Nine must not have been up to par. And and Kathleen Kennedy has shown that she's not. Um, She's patient, but she's not overly patient. And there's sort of like there's a standard of work that you need to turn out. And there's a a certain type of work, a certain um, level of quality that that she expects. And if you don't meet the standard, then you're out. And I I respect that. I I immensely respect. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I do, too. I think I do, too. I think after Rogue One, they're not. I was going to say we saw that with we saw that with Rogue One. Yeah. Do you want to explain what happened there? Sure. Well, Gareth Edwards, who was also another newbie, yep. had Godzilla before Rogue One, which was a which was a very good success, and it was a good mm-hmm. film. Uh, he went on to do Rogue One, and it didn't com- from early reports. It wasn't completely floundering, but a very hush hush Tony Gilroy uh, was brought on to Tony Gilroy was brought on to kind of fix the film and he very recently actually I pulled this up before we yeah, started this yeah, episode I know so I'm you're... not counting as a look up yeah I'm not counting sure, it sure. but he but he said he said I'll quote right here uh, blah 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 I have to be careful Gilroy said blah 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 I don't know what the statute of limitations is I've never done an interview about Rogue One ever and so this is what he so what he says is, if you look at Rogue, all the difficulty with Rogue, all the confusion of it, and all the mess, and in the end, when you get in there, it's actually very, very simple to solve, because you sort of go, this movie is where folks just look. Everyone is going to die. So it's a movie about sacrifice. And then we get a little bit more, and he says, that was my superpower. I've never been interested in Star Wars ever, so I had no reverence for it whatsoever. I was unafraid about that, and they were in such a swamp. They were in so much terrible, terrible trouble that all you could do was improve their position. Yeah, pretty. So that's so interesting. Yeah, terrible, terrible position. All you could do was improve. So, but even when he says like, "Oh, this movie is about sacrifice, about people dying," that to me reads like they didn't even know what the film was about as they were filming. It, it. sounds like there was probably like they, a lack they didn't of focus, have a, right? And that that he had right to, there was no narrative yeah. thread. It was it was it like must have felt very open and basic or something like that. It must have been. It must have been lacking focus and lacking sort of. What what Disney is so good at is like what is the story, right? That is the thing that they yes. have always been good at. Disney has these story groups that what would you say always good at? Well, but I know what you in mean. recent. I would say in the, since the Disney Renaissance, that's what they've been really good at. Sure. So since the late eighties, early nineties, they've been very very good at that. Yeah. And and they I think found that that was their thing. That was their like really if you craft the story 
everything else will follow. If you read um, uh, Creativity Inc., the book about Pixar, um, which is mm-hmm. an excellent read on, on Audible or, or whatever, if that's your, your thing. I really enjoyed the audiobook. Um, they go really in depth about, um, you know, what that, what, what, the, the book is about the founding of Pixar, but it's also sort of a, a business book. The first half is like the story of Pixar and the second half is like, here's why we were successful. And um, it's a really good book and they talk a lot about how much time they would spend uh, on on some of those early Pixar movies, like just breaking the story. And and still to this day, there's a story group that convenes, I think once a month with the director, or maybe once a week even. And he has to like, the director has to sort of almost like defending a thesis, like like explain what the story is and, and, and the story group inspects every little aspect of the script and every joke and every line and every everything and everything has to tie back to the overall story everything has to be consistent with the characters it's very very interesting how much time and effort they put into that making sure the backbone of a film is there and i i feel mm-hmm. like that carries through to a lot of other disney properties as well beyond pixar and beyond the animation stuff and that is clear here where they were they were missing that on rogue one or they felt they were missing that and that's why they brought in tony gilroy at least i'm, I'm speculating here but that's my read on the situation and well, and it in, seems like in he, some ways it could sound like they were behind. Yeah. They were behind. They were even behind schedule. If they are in such ter- like they could, if they could only improve. Well, it sounds like things. so. Keep in mind that they, he was brought in for the reshoots. So, so it seems like probably the the principal photography that Gareth had done wasn't satisfactory, and they knew they needed to change directions before the reshoots while they had time to right know, to shoot new stuff that would fix it. And so it was probably at that mm-hmm. point, and that's why there were more extensive reshoots, was because they knew they had to. When they brought Gilroy in, they realized, okay, he's he he decided to do more. But that's an interesting point that he points out. Like, he he points out he's not really a Star Wars fan. He had very minimal mm-hmm. Star Wars uh, exposure, so he was able to be a little more, take a step back, and be like, okay, what is this really about? Like, probably Gareth was getting in there and being really excited about being a Star Wars fan and making a Star Wars movie. And Gilroy yep. was able to be like, putting that aside, because it doesn't really mean anything to me, what is this really about? And he was able to kind of, you know, just make a good story, regardless of it being a Star Wars story or not. Yeah. that And I, you can, I don't want to say you can see that in the film, but I think choosing to have your main characters, spoil for Rogue One, die is a bold choice in a in a star wars film or any film it's really a bold choice to have your main characters die and somebody who is not attached to anybody you can feel like you can gareth you could feel gareth edwards on tarkin but it's inconsequential when it comes to tony gilroy right if that makes if that makes sense because that's really not what the film was about though i think i know the tarkin even the tarkin stuff was not in the original pass of the film so actually so i don't i don't really? know actually there's a lot yeah i don't think so i don't but think surely it was it had in the original. To have been, I, like gareth edwards had to been working on that stuff because that's so tied into the rest of the movie and and just the I amount know. of time it would have taken to do that with the technology well, he must have been the, part of it maybe not as much the, there was a there was an interview with gareth edwards and he spoke about um, he spoke or no it was an interview with Ben Mendelsohn. 
and he was talking and he was talking about how his part really shifted after he came on board and it became very different afterwards and so either either he was pitched something differently and then Tarkin was added or Tarkin was added even after that commencing of like the commencement of the rest of the movie I'm not really sure but either way I think Rogue One is also Rogue One is also a good example of being able to fix a film even if it's in dire straits Uh, you know we have we have Han Solo's film Solo coming up in a couple of weeks which has gone through a very similar process except that the it was a very public yeah. firing of Chris Lord and Phil Miller. Did I do that right? Yeah, Chris Lord and Phil Miller. Right? Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Phil Lord and Chris Miller. You know what throws me off? Yeah. I watched Last Man on Earth on Fox and that's created yep. by those guys. And oh. the main character's name is Phil Miller. Oh, because that's it's great. like the one that's first name and one last name. So now I always get wait, wait, which one is which one is how? Yeah, but it's, which which one's which? Okay, but yeah. anyway, so they were you know like they were very publicly yeah. fired and 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 then so and then Ron Howard, a very dependable director, is brought on board just like Tony Gilroy, right. a very dependable Oscar, director, Oscar nominated. You know, Tony, like right, Michael Clayton, yeah. Born Identity, like that's like a couple of Born movies. Like that's he's a dependable filmmaker. Right. Ron Howard with How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Apollo Thirteen. How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Really? Lundins. Really? How the Grinch Stole Christmas? People, people, people love that's that movie. I with? actually hate it. People hate. People love that movie. I hate it, but people people I'm like not, it. So I, I started I, with that one. It's like Ron Howard, the first. Oh yeah, he's the guy who made How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I was going for a film people would recognize. I think Apollo thirteen stand, or or a beautiful mind. I think those will. Uh, mm-hmm. I think those will kind of stick in people's in people's minds. Okay, okay. Well, you know, whatever, Frank. <laughs> you have your choices, and I have mine. It's fine. I was getting to a beautiful mind, a film I like much more than How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I would hope. I'll have you know. Yeah, I, I hate the I hate the Ron Howard one. Nothing against Ron Howard. I just like the cartoon, and I don't even need the cartoon. Sure, it's fine. Anyway, so we'll see what's happening there. But what's very what's very interesting to me about all of this is that we're talking. This is all Star Wars and Fox and all that stuff. So but wait, I mean, is the, is the, is this Han Solo movie going to be how the Grinch stole Star Wars from from Lord and Miller? Ah, uh, yeah. sure. Well, I mean, it is a it is a heist movie. Frank. Ah, there it is. It's there you go. How, it's gonna be it's gonna be how Han Solo stole Christmas. Hey. You know what I mean? It's gonna be how Han Solo stole Life Day. <laughs> That's what this movie is really about. <laughs> how the Grinch stole Life Day would be a fantastic, <laughs> like parody sequel thing. That would be terrible. It would be a great title uh, for an episode, though. I'll tell you that. That's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Anyway. Um, I think what's interesting on we're talking this is the Star Wars this is the Star Wars side yeah. and the Fox side and I mean I guess Fox in some ways took a chance on um, Brian Singer oh, sure back in in the early two thousands but even he had a good number of films under yeah. his belt first not a good number but, he had but a couple. I mean but he had good well received films he had apt pupil he had the usual suspects like those usual are suspects, yeah. you know those yeah. are. Right, so he was it, he was much less of a risk, right? 
than some of these other guys. I think it's the risk is what is interesting. So, but then you you flop over to the MCU, and a lot of their directors, most recently, they're not necessarily babies. No, but they're. But some of them are like Ryan Coogler is a baby. baby. Black Panther was his third film. But obviously, what an excellent director he is. He's like Mark. Mark my words. This generation, Steven Spielberg. I believe that. I would. I would very much. I would very much. He's fantastic. He's such a great story. The man has three films. Huge. He starts small and he just ascends into massive blockbuster territory. And we've never really seen anybody do that and succeed. But I'll be curious, except for Spielberg, really, over and over and over sure. and over again. I mean, even George Lucas was not a tried and true no. director. He had TH1, THX1138 and American mm-hmm. Graffiti. And then he made Star right. Wars. And even that, like right? he had to fight his way and you know fight to get Star Wars made and that kind of thing. Fight to get all his movies made. It wasn't like like it is now, where it's like the studio reaches out and says, "We want to make this film, and we choose you." You know, right? Well, George Lucas was also very keen on not doing it that way, anyway. But that's a whole yeah, other yeah, that's yeah. a whole other story. So, but then if you look at the MCU side, you've got James Gunn on Guardians right. of the Galaxy, which is he's not a noob director, but I would never like Jay, what what movies has James Gunn done besides Guardians of the Galaxy and Slither? I could not I could not tell you. I am I was not familiar exactly. with his uh his filmography. Exactly. I'll use my one lookup for this. See, this is what I'm saving for. Oh, uh, you're saving for the this for, moment for, this, for my these question. Kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's I that I th- in some part like that is interesting to me that you've never made a movie like this. It's untested characters. We don't know anything. And Marvel takes takes a chance on this guy, and not only makes the Guardians of the Galaxy a D list at best Marvel property, viable and a, like a million dollar franchise, but he keeps coming back and doing it again and again and again. Like that's crazy. That's he's the Marvel success story above anybody else. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he. I I would say. I mean, I would I would argue Ryan Coogler is probably the the bigger one but but for sure for sure James Gunn was like the the prototype for that by the way other than Slither he did Super oh that's a good movie with Rain, Rain Wilson. Wilson and uh, Ellen Page yeah it's a it's a yep. it was pretty it's good, good I liked it okay yeah but it, again like you know what I mean like that's why wow, it's so that's so fascinating and then you have Oh my God! Help me. Uh, the Russo brothers, who are obviously hugely successful yep. in the Marvel universe, Winter Soldier, I still think is their best fantastic film. film. You got Taika Waititi, of course. It, you got Taika Waititi, who is a tried and true indie director, but not a big blockbuster right. director. And he's a good example of you were saying. There's like the babies. There's like people who are new, and then there's people who are indie but not new. He's like got a long track record he's made plenty of films and and obviously he's you know well known for plenty of good films great, too great films mm-hmm. um but this was his first chance to do a big studio franchise film and he knocked it out of the park i i it. think yep i think it's funny though because even with all these indie indie directors and all of this stuff in some ways it's it is you can you can tell when they come from from the indie world and not necessarily because of like 
let's say, Sam Raimi's thing in Spider-Man, oh, yeah. where instead of the CG food catching, he's like, why don't you just put sticky stuff at the bottom of the food, and he just catches mm-hmm. all of it 150 takes right, later. Right, right. You know, but... But still, he saved thousands of dollars doing that. You know, it was just an exhausting day, you know, like having everything drop onto a tray. Right. But, but, um, you can, I think you can tell in the fight scenes a lot of the times, not with everybody, but I think, I think the Marvel Universe more has a distinct lack of flair for some fight scenes depending on the director and the more indie they are or less tried and true they're not visually exciting i think as indie like the indie directors are really great at building a good story and character work and stuff that actually makes a good film that is better i'd rather have that um but if you were to compare if you were to compare the fight scenes in oh i don't know like BVS or Man of Steel versus anything in a Marvel film, the fight scenes are more extraordinary in a Zack Snyder film because he has a visual flair because he's a big blockbuster guy, mm-hmm. right? If you gave a Marvel, if you gave a Marvel movie to Michael Bay, you're not getting substance, but you're going to get a really good looking mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. And I and I think Marvel is trading really good looking movies for for character work, which is why they're working. Sure. I think because at the end of the day, you want to watch a movie where you can connect with a character, not because a building is going to blow up. Of course. Yeah. I think that's a very, very, very good observation. Yeah. That's my, my, my two cents of the day. There's another indie director in there for Marvel and I'm dropping it and I can't, uh, Anna Bowden? I can't remember. Oh, sure. Well, you have Anna Bowden coming up for Captain Marvel. Um, but I think maybe I guess that is it. Because John Favreau was tried and yeah. true. Joss, Joss Whedon oh, was tried much, and yeah. true. Kenneth Although, Branagh was definitely oh, tried yeah, and true. he was. Whedon was interesting because he hadn't really done any big... He hadn't directed a that's big tr- film. That's true. He'd worked on, you know, he had written plenty of stuff and, and done a lot of script doctoring and, and directed plenty of big television, but he'd never directed a blockbuster film before Avengers. That's actually true. So in some ways, maybe you could even count Whedon on sort this of. list. He's, he's a little different, but yeah, you could. You could. It was. I think you can count Whedon in the same place you count the Russo brothers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. Yes. I guess so. You know, kind of tried and true TV guys. Yeah. You know, very success. Not maybe not very successful. Community is good, but I wouldn't call it right. like Parks and Rec right, successful right, right, right. or something yeah. like that. It was like moderately but, successful network television. Exactly, but but then they come into the MCU and two going on three films. They're some of the best films of the right. franchise. Right, right. All of these nineteen twenty movies. So, which is crazy. Um, you know, who's a funny a funny person to mention? Who's kind of the opposite of all of this is Kevin Smith. Who started out okay. as a successful enough indie director, successful in the in the sense that he was, you know, going to festivals and things like that, making his movies, but whatever, and uh, and then he he uh, did Cop Out, right? Yeah, uh, with uh, Bruce Willis and Tracy, Tracy Morgan. Morgan. Was it Tracy Morgan? Yeah, it was Tracy Morgan, wasn't it? Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Um, and that did really badly. Um, I I've never seen it. I don't. I hear it's not not awesome. I I hear it's terrible, and mostly because of Bruce Willis and his inability to want to work with people on a normal there you level. Go. So that was his first. That was Kevin Smith's first studio gig, uh, or big studio gig anyway, where he was given like full on like here's like a a decent budget, a good cast, and we're just gonna let like you know Kevin Smith make. A studio film. I guess Zack and Miri came before this, but was that indie? I'm not sure if that was studio or indie. Um, I'm not yeah. sure. But um, there's also Jersey Girl. Yeah, but that wasn't and and Dogma, which is not an indie film. I I thought that I was I was pretty sure. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, that's fine. Uh, the the my my I guess my point is, Cop Out was the one where he was given like a bigger budget and a big cast and all all of that. And it didn't do well. And now he just does TV. <laughs> like now he makes his weird, his weird uh, Walrus movies and and directs a couple episodes of TV a year. <laughs> and and he's a podcasting mogul. Yeah. But but it's funny. And I'm I'm a huge fan of Kevin Smith's. But but um, I I think it's funny that he's kind of the opposite of these other guys, where like some of them like like the Rooster Brothers started in TV and then went on to do these big films. Where Kevin Smith has done you know did films and now does TV. <laughs> I love it. I'm so glad that he does do that. Like, I'm so happy of his contributions in the you know CW, DC mm-hmm. shows, and and I, I I love I love him as a podcaster. Like, I love him as just like a personality. Yes, so I'm, absolutely. I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of, of his in, in general. Just a funny observation that is kind of the reverse story of, of some of these other guys. I totally agree. So, I guess my question at the end of all of this is: Do you think it's a good idea? to keep hiring guys with not a lot of experience or it's it's kind of a crapshoot and some of them are going to work and some of them aren't and that's the end of it. I think it is a crapshoot but generally it's a it's more of a good idea than it is not. Like you know there's pros and cons but I think it's still a good idea and still a thing that is is um good to do because Mm-hmm. It gives you these people who are passionate and who are fans of the of the material and who have bring more to it than you know, like Tony Gilroy did a great job sort of redeeming Rogue One, but I don't know that it would have I don't know that I would have enjoyed it as much as I did if he had directed it from the start, if there wasn't the Gareth Edwards influence. Like maybe some of these guys need someone guiding them, shepherding them, whatever, but uh, or or more oversight from whoever the powers that be are, but I think it's good to have fans and to have, um, you know, people with just like a lot of vision and a lot of heart, even if they're less experienced, I think it's good to let them, you know, play in the sandbox. Yeah, I think that's, I think you're right. I think you're right. But I think with that, I think we're done with this conversation for this evening. So you can find us in all the places that podcasts can be found, such as iTunes and Satchel and Google play and overcast. And of course, you can rate and review us on iTunes. I'd be very much thankful. And then you can head over to thoughtbubbleaudio.com and check out all of our Thought Bubble Audio shows that are too long, so I'm not going to list them all because there are so many. Too many. And and you can find us on the internet at beerwithgeeks at gmail.com and at Facebook. And you can also follow me at TimothyPG13 on Twitter. And you can follow Frank at 
Frank Ramblings on Twitter if yes. you are so inclined. Indeed. And then I guess that is all of it for us. So until next time, cheers. cheers.